Hey, this is Damon Hillen, and you're on the School of Hollywood. Welcome to season three of School of Hollywood. We'd like to thank you for listening and following the Entertainment World School of Hollywood podcast. If you prefer videos of celebrities, they're available on entertainmentworld.us. Please take a moment and like the podcast and subscribe. And if you have any comments or questions, you can just send us a DM on Instagram at School of Hollywood. School is now in session. Welcome, Damon. You have produced over 32 films, mostly in the action, horror, zombie area. Um, what got you hooked into that area? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it, it, it all comes down to financials. Uh I can make those movies and they work financially. So it's very hard to make movies in general. And it gives you like a one up if you're making a movie that is uh, um, financially prosperous. Um, if you're making a drama or if you're making a comedy, sometimes it really doesn't translate overseas. So I usually choose a genre that people understand. People understand running, jumping, shooting, fighting. They understand horror. They understand being scared. Those things translate um, throughout the world. So what's the sales route of a normal horror film from beginning to the end of the life of one? Um, so usually uh, I'm, you know, I'm working with a sales company to understand like what is the market needing? Um, you know, there, there, there are times where, like when I first started, like my first mistake that I ever made, all those Saw movies came out and I was like, oh, we need to do a, a slasher film, right? But then the market had already adjusted. And this is a film called Pernicious that I did. Market had already adjusted and, and I wasn't really paying attention to the sales side of things. Um, I specifically was just trying to go after what you know, like the picture of Hollywood, uh, one of my first movies. Um, and it didn't work because it was past the time of what the market is wanting at that time. So, so it's very important from the start to, to have a sales company understanding on the distribution side, what is it that the marketplace wants? So, you know, it, it moved more towards the supernatural for a while. And what we would do is is then we would create a log line, a synopsis, find a, a writer, a director, and put together um, a script that is catered to the specific genre, the subgenre in horror. You know, so like the Long Night or that that I did, or Ghost House. So with the uh, distribution, because this is a learning place for for new producers and and talent. When it comes to distribution on, say, a horror film, a lot of times distribution companies will come immediately before the film is sold. Um, do you advise that or, or not? Yeah. So, you know, my philosophy uh, dealing with distribution and, and financing is I always want the sale first and then I just back into it. So if I, I, I sell a certain amount of money, then I, so it's a form, it's very formulaic. I've become very formulaic as a producer versus just trying to make something um, and then hope that it will sell later. Uh, however, horror is very hard. 
if you don't have names in your movie, if you don't have specific names in your film, then what happens is it's very hard to get the pre-sale that is needed in order to finance the picture. So that's interesting that you brought that up because that was one of the questions I was going to ask you, because I noticed in your, your new film, Maneater, uh, you have a, a good friend of mine, Nikki, Nikki Whalen. And oh, then, yeah, I love Nikki. Yeah. And then you also have um, uh, Shane, who was great in Nikita and, and Gotham. Um, and yeah. bringing those in there, obviously, they have foreign values. Nikki just coming off, starring opposite Bruce Willis. Um, yeah. How do you convince somebody to do a horror film that has name value? Okay, so yeah, the 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 trick the trick with you know Maneater was that we were shooting a shark film in an exotic location, Maui. So there it was it was enticing. It wasn't the traditional horror movie, right? So we're putting beautiful people on a yacht, like a a catamaran, in in beautiful waters, and they have you know, they're, they're, they're being pursued by a shark. So, so when discussing with the talent, it's, it's a little bit of a perk when you, when you, when you offer that kind of, uh, you know, incentive of, of, of going to the beautiful Maui. So was that an animatronics uh, shark or was it a real shark or what's the story on that? Yeah, great, great question. So, um, you know, we tr we tried, we tried very, very hard with uh, to have an animatronic shark. The director, Justin Lee, was very like specific. And we put a lot of money into having an animatronic shark. But you know what? Those are very hard. Like, so um, you have to have a team of, of two puppeteers, you know, for our shark, we had to have two puppeteers. And then we had, you know, our whole grip team uh, like setting up these these rigs so that, you know, we could open them better and, and, and pull the heavy shark in the water. But then you're running into like currents and coral and all these things. So, you know, you want this really quick scene where the shark is like, Poof! And it, you're, you're just in this water and you're so slow and it doesn't give you the effects. So we had to marry it between the animatronic and the, and then VFX. So the idea was Jaws, practical shark style movie. Well, you know, we did it. We did a little bit of, but we did a little bit of. Both. So did you go over budget? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. We did. Uh, you know what? It was it was one of those films that there was, there's it's a water movie, ton of water. The majority of the mo movie was 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 shot on water, um, and not to mention the location that we had. It was very windy, and it was right by an airport. So with all these factors, we we were having a hard time like moving along, and plus the current, and then we had to deal with safety. And all these issues, so so it did require more than what was anticipated, you know. So when you were talking about the CGI, was that like the Unreal Engine, or or did you do it in 3D Studio Max or Maya? How did how did you create the shark? How did we create the shark? So um, we uh, the the VFX team out of the UK, um, they had worked on a previous shark film for me um, called Surrounded. And they had done a very good job on that film. So after we had cut Maneater, 
there were there were some gaps and what we needed to do to fill those gaps was vfx cgi we needed a we needed to come in with a a a, a different um a different approach for the shark you know we really wanted the practical that was what we set out for now you know like filmmakers we have one shot we're we're out there we have we had 18 days to shoot a movie like you're 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 trying but you got to shoot you got to finish so it, it just you know we did the best we could we saw our mistakes we saw where we where we excelled um but yeah it was you know the 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 VFX to the rescue while you were shooting did you actually see any real sharks no no real sharks, huh? You, you know, you hear you. You're always asking because you're in the water, and you know, you're just like, "Well, so where are the where are the sharks here?" But um, didn't see any real sharks. We saw a lot of windsurfers and a, a lot of kiteboarders, but no, no sharks. Tell me about the casting process that you go through with actors. Okay, yeah. So um, we're usually speaking to distributors about what are the top three actors we should get so we will have a list and for our leads we have to run names uh with the sales and distribution side we narrow the list down once we have a, a, a list we will then take that list and uh with the creatives the director will go through and he'll he'll say i like nikki whelan okay great so then we go and we offer nikki whelan and then he, he'll say, I like Shane West. And then we'll go and we'll offer Shane. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's, we have to get the first three on these films to really kind of green light the picture. So um, the casting process is, is uh, working hand in hand with sales, distribution, and then offers. So, and it's always better when we could go direct to the talent because sometimes going through agencies take a lot longer than just getting a direct read from the talent. And then we'll go deal with the agent. You know, that's always the best way. But sometimes you don't have that access and you go directly to the agent. What advice would you give somebody starting out wanting to be a horror film director or producer? So no matter what, you can't give up. And make sure that you love what you do. Okay, because I've been knocked down so many times and as a producer, the amount of fires that you have to put out on a daily basis, you really need to make sure that you love what you do, because it is not an easy job. Um, there are some amazing things in like situations involved with it, you get it, you know, you could travel, you could see the world. Um, but you have to be prepared to get knocked down and then just take it on the chin, get back up and then keep going. Okay, a young producer comes to you and says, <clears throat> I have $10,000, how can I make a movie? What would you tell them? First of all, I would say you have the right idea. You know, my first movie, my second movie actually is, uh, Auteur, a film that I did with uh, Cameron Romero, George Romero's son, and Tom Sizemore a long, long time ago. It was a small budget, $20,000 movie. It was done to understand the physicalities of production and to put the team together 
and to bring everybody together. Uh, you know, it wasn't about money. It was about creating a film. So if you have that mindset, you're going to be, that's the kind of mindset you need to be a producer. Look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. No, I'm going to, nobody's going to stop me. And that, and that's what's required uh, to get to the finish line when, you know, you're making movies. I, I, I would say phenomenal job, keep going and make that film. How important is craft service on a low budget movie? Food in general is <laughs> like you got, you have to have good food or, you know, or you have to have craft services because your crews work in their tails off They're that, you know, they, they run out of, they run out of low on sugar. Uh, they, you know, it's hot. It could be hot. They're running around, you know, craft services is, is like a very, very important thing. Uh, making sure that they have like little snacks, nuts, finger foods, um, even Gatorade to replenish those electrolytes. These are all things that you got to, you know, you, you got to make sure that your crew is taken care of. And especially when it comes to uh, nutrients and sustenance on set. Yeah, I know that a lot of a lot of young producers think, oh, I can, I can give them crackers and water. No on way. The You'll get run off. It doesn't fly. <laughs> your, your crew will be the first one that you're gone. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what was your pitch to sell the film to distribution? Well, it was, it was, um, it was my sales company, uh, Filmbridge International telling me that we needed, we need to make a shark movie because that's what audiences want right now are, you know, shark movies or creature features, you know, like I just finished a crocodile movie. There are these, uh, you know, so um, I was guided by the sales company and then we went to Justin Lee and uh, at, at this point we've already made about five films with Justin and we said Justin we need this so can you please provide us with uh, a log line and a synopsis and we'll run it by on the sales side and then we locked down the concept and then we went to script. So it, we, we, we did it hand in hand with distribution. How do, how do you, as a producer, because <clears throat> a lot of people, because of COVID, have run out of money during COVID. <clears throat> All of a sudden, you're, you know, you're, you're shut down for a yeah. week or two, and you've now gone over budget. How do you approach going to get more money on a film? Oh, you know what? Look, COVID, COVID's really hurt independent films in the sense of like it, it, it's hard to make movies in general. And then now you're adding the COVID cost and COVID regulations. So it's, it's a difficult thing. You have to budget for a COVID contingency. You just have to. Um, you know, I just ran into this as one of, you know, I was just shooting a movie in Thailand and, and uh, we, we had a COVID issue. And then you shut down but you have to be prepared for it. And luckily my team was ready. Uh, we had everything in place and uh, we just went down, we went down for, for a week and a half and then we tested out, everybody was good. And then we came back and, and, and finished the film. Luckily there was only one day left, but um, my co-producer slash line producer, Amy Covell, she had that contingency in the budget. 
So with, with the way that things are now, you have to make sure that you have that contingency so that you don't have to go ask for that money. Now, if you have to go ask for that money, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother scenario. And now you're getting, going to get into deals that are not good because you're going to be forced into something like, you know, putting somebody in first position, you know, uh, higher interest rates. You're not in a very good negotiating position um, if you have to go scramble and find money at all. Do you find it's a new thing with negotiating with actors to do points on the back end to bring them into a film? Yeah, look, I, I think that agencies and agents really understand that like points are, you know, there, there, there's, there's not a lot of uh, net profits that are getting distributed. You know, you're, you're, you're having these, these foreign sales that are, maybe you have buyers that aren't paying um, the net. So the net points, you're not really hitting these, these huge net, net profits, you know, and with the distributors, when they release your film, they have a huge marketing, they have huge, these huge budgets that they have to recoup that plus the, plus the number they gave you on the MG. So by the time you're, you're, you're so far down the line and it's so many years later, everybody kind of forgets about the net net profit percentages. So that's why you really have to make the movie for what it is and just understand that, you know, um, you have to understand that this might be it. It might just be the sale. And if that's the case, everybody has to get out with their interest. You can't forget about that interest, right? Yeah. And then you can't forget about your sales fee. And then you can't forget about your SAG residuals that you have to pay. So those are all, you know, SAG residuals are gross, right? That's a gross number. It comes directly off the top. Your sales fee right. is a gross number too. So you subtract those gross numbers and then find out what you have left and make sure that you have your interest could, could, could fit into that number. So it's, it's a, it's a math problem. So in other words, you want to get as much up front as you possibly can from distribution, yeah, which, and, <laughs> and that's where the advantage of putting the name actors comes in. Exactly. Yeah. Great. So if an actor wants to get in touch with you, say, Hey, I'm, I'm brand new in this game. Uh, what would you suggest them to do? Make a, a short scene or put something on tape or, or yeah, just I think harass I think, your casting director. You, you, you know, it's, it's, I think it's about drive. So we're always accepting submissions from, from, from actors. Um, w whether or not they get the job or not, that's a whole nother thing, but we, we will accept, uh, we will submit, uh, accept submissions and I think that be in, being in this industry, you have to push yourself. So it's like the producer that you were talking about, that, you know, that producer with $10,000. $10, like, just do it. Push yourself. Go reach out to people. Say, here's my headshot. Uh, you know, say, I'll work as a local. You know, even if it's shooting in New Mexico and you're just like, 
I want to be in your movie. I'll come work as a local here. Here is what I'm very good at. Or, you know, like look at the genre, look at the things you can do, uh, like special, special uh, skills that you might have for that submission, but do it, submit. Don't stop. You got to, nobody's going to do it for you. Right. When can we expect to see Maneater uh, coming out? Yeah, August 26th. So limited, uh, limited theatrically in the United States and Canada, along with, um, you know, your the usual suspects like iTunes and Amazon all across the board uh, and your uh, cable on demand. Fantastic. Where can people find you on social media? Yeah, uh, Instagram at Damon Hillen. And then uh, I, I literally just started a TikTok for like the behind the scenes kind of stuff um, at Damon Hillen as well. So I really appreciate you being here today on the School of Hollywood. You're an awesome guest. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on the School of Hollywood. It's been great. Thank you for listening to the latest School of Hollywood podcast. We'd like to ask you a small favor. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like it. And if you really liked it, please share it on your social media. If you have any questions about acting, music, producing, and directing, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at School of Hollywood. School of Hollywood is now part of entertainmentworld.us. Until next time, school is out.